So I guess next time we have Tucker on, we have to watch that whatever art movie. No, we're watching Fast and Furious, uh, the entire 11 movie collection. You know, now that you've said it while you're being recorded, that's going to be held against you, right? Well, I mean, it's not like this part's making it into the episode, so... Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of So Did You Like It, a film podcast to go with the thousands and thousands of other film podcasts, but we're not going to be critics, we're not going to throw numbers at you, we're just going to ask at the end of the conversation, so did you like it? I am Sir Square, and joined as always with my co-host... And I look like him, but older. Lieutenant Kaz, what's Stolen Valor? I honestly have no answer to the question and have to ask myself, are, are you are you in active duty? Because if so, what are you doing here? I only ever consider myself largely inactive. <laughs> Got it. 100% agree. Anyway, this week we checked out 1917 to be one of the first kind of actual war movies we've checked out for the podcast. A uh, film by uh, Sean Mendez, written by Sean Mendez and Christy Wilson Cairns or Cairns. Uh, this is the story of two lance corporals who are messenger runners who are given a mission to make it to another battalion to call off a mission, or else all of the members of that battalion will be slaughtered. It is a film that is famous for its cinematography and is a very interesting. Uh, look at a world war movie that doesn't seem as like i i guess big as other world war films can be how can you call this the first war movie when we saw starship troopers marauders because that was a religious experience oh well damn Uh, the only other one that i guess could have counted was like christmas prince 3 but we we stopped that war from happening yeah we just avoided the war that there was no way they were gonna win that war Fine, I guess to the first world war it is. What a what a standard place to start. Ooh, started the first one. Oh yeah, sorry. Okay, look, sorry <laughs> that I want the lore before we get on to the second one. You know me, yeah, like I need that prequel information before the big stuff. At least it's at least it's like anime rules and not comic book rules where it's like, "All right, what continuity is this World War 1?" It's like, "No, start from the first one, bro." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, someone tries to show me Bandit Brothers. I'm like, yo, whoa, whoa, fuck you. Fuck <laughs> you. What are we doing here? And Sir, I am country? watching World War One movies only. Actually, you know what? Cut that back. We're going back to the Texas Revolution. I was going to say, every other country that's ever had a conflict before the America, non-canon. It's fine. <laughs> I only watch war films that have to do with America. <laughs> Now I just now I just want to ask someone if they want to like watch a war movie or if they want to be like, hey yeah, we're gonna watch this. Like it's it's about this or that war. I'm like, is it canon? <laughs> just see what they say. They're gonna think I'm an absolute asshole. Honestly, when you think about it, anything is almost a war movie. <laughs> Pretty sure we had a bit of an argument before this podcast started. It's our own war. <laughs> There's always gonna be war. So it's always going to be conflict. Man, that's so sad. Nothing changes. Oh my god, it's like we're watching Gundam Wing all over again. Human beings are meant for war. What are we supposed to do when there's no more fighting? It's only right that I have to fight <laughs> and kill. It's my purpose. Uh, did you mention uh, that this movie's gimmick is like everything has this look of uh, uh, that it's like all done in one shot? Uh, I I, I believe I did, but it is all right. It's yes, it is edited to make it seem like it is two uh, long continuous shots. Oh, it's two. Well, because you know, halfway through the film, he does get uh, a head wound that causes him to pass out. Yeah, and then when he wakes up, that's the beginning of the second shot. Yeah. So it's it's technically two long shots, but realistically, like there are breaks within the film um, that you can. A few after you keep watching it, I guess a few times, or someone can point it out to you on YouTube, where like there are moments where you know they were able to cut that one, but where like each take though was is long. It's a huge take to do for this film, uh, but yeah, it was just some 
some very interesting cinematography and editing tricks to make this look like a very amazing. long They did shot. it in just two, in two shots? Yeah, just two long takes and it was over. <laughs> That's why when that guy sneezed in the background, they just played it off. It's actually very interesting because I, I remember an interview with the main actor of this film. His name is George uh, McKay. He, or McKay, he talked about how, like, to make this movie work, uh, they did table reads, of course, but then, like, they went out, everyone in, like, just, like, trainer attire, you know, just, like, workout clothes with their scripts and had to just continually run the movie over and over to make sure it would work and practice each movement because this is one of those movies where, like, you can't really just yell cut and do, like, 40 takes and then be like, all right, we got this two-minute scene done because, like, this is going to be long, long moments where, like, any particular mess up and, man, that's another, like, 45 minutes just to get the next take. Yeah, and for, for that reason that there's such a hard reset that they have to do every single time i'm glad people like you can appreciate the long uh, the, the the aesthetic they have of like a long cut or like one long one take or whatever because i gotta be honest like moment to moment it's pretty cool like when you see him like running across the trenches or something like that or running across the field getting shot at uh that's when i notice it and i'm like oh that's pretty cool but like i forget and i'm like oh oh yeah i i get i i I guess we got here in the same shot or something. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm just watching the story happen. I, I don't care if, you know, like, you know, it's it's the point of cinema. Just do multiple different shots. <laughs> well, for this, like, the reason why they wanted to go with a long shot, or at least how I interpreted it, it was just like, when you watch a war film, it's always like, we have to protect this pass, or this town needs to be freed, or... We need to take down this camp. And, like, there's always, like, days leading up to it. And, like, there's planning sessions. And then, like, there's something that goes wrong with the plan. Or someone dies. And, like, they're big and they're dramatic. And, like, you're heroes by the end of it. Or you have this really long philosophical monologue about, like, the horrors of war. And, like, it's it's apocalypse now all over again. You know? Like, this is is the common trope, the trope of, like, war films. With this film, it was literally just, this was one mission, and you saw it from start to end. There was no real planning phase. There was no, like, you're going to become a hero and save the day, and people are going to love you for what you do situation. This was two people given one quick mission, and it's a life-or-death situation, and we're not going to just, like sugarcoat it with all these other things that can happen in between like you're going to feel the tension they feel throughout the entirety of this movie and you do like yeah when you're when they're at the abandoned farm before the plane crashes out in open field you feel the tension of them leaning around because who wants to be in like actual enemy territory in an open field you know that is not a safe position. That doesn't feel good. You don't want to be there and, like, next thing you know, like, a, a squad's coming up and you're just going to get gunned down, like, with no resistance whatsoever. So to do these long shots, it's just to make the audience feel exactly what these characters are feeling in almost the exact same time frame that passes for them. Which I think just, like, changes the way to look at a war film. Because... Like I said, like, no one's a hero at the end of this movie. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, at least he has, like, one person who's really uh, thankful for the tireless work that he does. Yeah, Um, the the older brother where he had to tell him, like, hey, your brother's dead? His hot older brother, not quite Bucky Barnes. Um, Uh, Rob Stark. He's grateful, at least. It was Rob Stark. Oh, that's why he had that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I don't know. He kind of looks like an off Bucky Barnes, though. It's not too far. <laughs> you put them side by side, I don't know if I'd be able to tell the okay, difference. You know, right? power, I guess power to, <laughs> to your perception of vision. I don't know. Whatever. Good for you. Lack of perception, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can understand what you mean, too. Like I just it's, say, what's well, a handsome dude? Like, what do I know? I, I can see what you mean, too. It's like, it is a situation where, like, 
I know some people don't always like that type of cinematography and what it's trying to do. Uh, it's I don't I don't know. I I, I guess I'm kind of just rambling now at this point. Well, I don't know. It just I'm sure it. Like I said, uh, you could appreciate it. To me, I'm just like I don't know. Conventional, uh, I guess, cinematography works fine enough for me. I don't like if they could have told it more conventionally, and I think they still could have conveyed the same thing. Just would have been less grueling of a shoot, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, because yeah, you're you're telling me it's like yeah, you see like the track of this man's journey from like all this time, and I'm like, yeah, that's the thing. If we saw this in like the span of like a two and a half or three hour movie, um, how did we go through a whole day that fast? <laughs> I mean, like you said, he had a shot, and then like woke up and it was nighttime. And then we go back, he, he runs and runs and fights his way through uh, enemy lines and all that mm-hmm. stuff until uh, until the morning again. So now it just feels yeah. like a, one of those video games where, like, time moves faster. It's I'm getting, like... Uh, but what, it doesn't. Like, you saw it didn't move any quicker. It just... That's the reality of the situation that these people are in. Like, all of this can happen just so quickly. He literally turned around to put water in his canteen... And next thing you know, his partner's stabbed and dying. And he's had to shoot a German soldier dead and just comfort him while he dies. And then the next, his, that British squad appears and he has to get over it within the next couple minutes because he's got to keep going. And like, I, I know what you're saying, but like, it's not that time was moving any quicker. It's just when you get to, the point when he gets shot, he just knocks out for the rest of the night. By the time he wakes up, it's most likely about four to five o'clock in the morning. Movie actually probably closer to five to six o'clock in the morning, since the sun was coming up and the attack was about to happen. Oh, that's true. They were going to attack really early at daytime, right? Yeah, like at the break of dawn, basically. They were going for an early morning assault. If he hadn't passed out, he'd have gotten there much sooner. But hey, man, at least you know... That helmet will save your life. Yeah, I always wonder about that, because I don't think I ever see in... Well, I take it back. It's not like I watch many uh, war movies. But yeah, I, I always wondered that. Like, how how much did those helmets actually save people's lives? But it had to have, right? Yeah, at least a little bit. I mean, he didn't die, and he got shot in the head from a pretty close distance. It's true. Luckily, I guess since it's rounded, it may be grazed or something like that. I- uh, it's what you would have to hope that just like it just you know ricocheted off into an angle into the ceiling. Yeah, I I love that everyone he encounters. He's on this all important mission that's gonna save lives and all that stuff. And everyone he runs into does not have time for their his shit. They are tired and they don't care. And some of them are just sad to see him because he's not there to relieve them from duty. <laughs> yeah, because they've got their like all that. Like, that squad that picked him up and gave him a ride for a little bit, they had their own shit they had to get to. They had their own orders they have to deal with. Not like they can stop just for this dude. Just like that one guy who was, like, totally done with this war bullshit, and he was like, yeah, hey, all right, fine, yeah, give him a flare. It's important for his thing. He can go and let us know when the, you know, if the coast is all clear. But if you feel like you're going to die... Just toss the flare back. I really yeah, don't like going the for them. Toss the flare back. I really don't want them having it. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like so over it. And like, yeah, because of his attitude, like our main guy, he doesn't even bother with the gun. He, I mean, he shoots the flare off, and he's just like, yeah, fuck him. <laughs> and then, yeah, I love. Uh, I love when he opens it up too. It's just like, hey, settle a bet for us. Like, what day is it? It's Friday. Oh man. Well, none of us are right. This fucker thought it was Tuesday. Yeah. Which, like, that is, oh, that's a horrifying realization that there were probably a lot of people that just lost total track of time at that point, you know? Like, it didn't matter to them what day it was or what hour it was. Yeah, I think that's, like, uh, from being demoralized, you just, what's the point? We could just die tomorrow anyways, and who cares what day that falls on? I think it was pretty interesting when they introduced that character so early, because, like, that guy, that, that, uh acting captain of that group he 
he kind of reminded me like or he's it's like he's a representation of where Schofield is going. Because like when the movie starts you've got two dis- it's definitely that two distinct character uh, like kind of buddy feel where you've got uh Schofield who is already gaining that like or or uh growing that cynicism and the total kind of apathy towards everything to do with the war to the point to where he doesn't even know if he wants to go home anymore because it can never be the yeah. same and you've got Tom Blake who is still kind of holding on to that like naive like hope that like he'll be heroic and the war will end and he'll prove himself because you can tell he he might be more of like an a newer recruit than Schofield because Schofield has already been had already get, gotten a medal for bravery at the Battle of the Psalms, which was just a very yeah. brutal offensive during and, World War One. And, and in uh, even then, Blake was so indignant that uh, what did you say his name? Schofield. Schofield. Yeah. Would uh, he would just like hawk his medal for some money or something like that? Because he was like, yeah, hawked his medal for a bottle of, of wine in France. Yeah. And he's like, who cares? It's a piece of tin. It's not gonna, it's not gonna do anything for me. And yeah, and then, he's just like, so indignant that he would do something like that. Uh, and uh, it's interesting you brought up that comment too, because remember when they hand the letter over to that acting captain? He's just like, oh, great. Well, good for fucking you. At least there's a medal in it, you know. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be so happy with that ribbon around your chest, but you know, fucking. There's the ladder. Go for it. Yeah. You know, the moment I, I even called this, I didn't, hadn't seen this movie, though apparently I had, uh, after we saw it, I went to go, uh, I told my mom about it. I was like, oh, yeah, we saw this war movie. I'm not into war movies, but like, yeah, it was pretty good. And she she was, and as I was describing it, she was like, oh, yeah, I think I saw that one. I think you're the one that recommended it. I said, how the fuck did I recommend a movie I haven't seen? She said, uh, you told me about it being like a one-shot thing, and I saw, thought that sounded interesting. So I inspired my mom to watch a movie I hadn't seen. <laughs> But anyway, you're a fucking uh, inspiration moment, to us all, Kaz. I stop the, and salute to you, sir. <laughs> the moment we saw the uh, the movie, I um, I looked at our two main characters. I looked at Blake and I said, "He's not main character material. He's gonna die." <laughs> <laughs> and every yeah. time something was coming up that seemed a little sketch, it seemed like, "Oh, this might be dangerous." I'm like, "It's gonna happen." And uh, yeah, it eventually did. He got stabbed by a German soldier, who I think Schofield was the one who said, "Let's put him out of his misery." But his friend was like, "No, we have to. We have to give him water and make sure he's okay and save him." You uh, know, des- despite the fact that he's an enemy combatant. And sure enough, his uh, his, his doe-eyed optimism gets him fucking stabbed in the gut. Just so quick, you know. I, I remember watching this movie in the theater and just like sitting there just shocked watching him like have to die so slowly. Like watching the color drain, the shivering, the flowing between trying to be courageous to just being absolutely terrified. Yeah. It was and in a lot of poignant scene. I liked it. To he he goes from being in pain and complaining with coherently as you would if you were in a lot of pain to he was just cold and uh had no more emotion in his voice and he asked Schofield very calmly am i dying and he doesn't sugarcoat it he tells him yeah and like that moment where he just says like i don't want to die <laughs> just uh yeah and uh i even tells his uh, cuz i guess when he very fastly comes, very quickly comes to the realization that it's inevitable. I think he tells Schofield to tell his family that he wasn't alone, um, which I guess was a, uh, which I guess was you know something I guess not comforting, but uh, I guess a little bit of a softened blow for some for I guess for his mother. Or yeah, family. it's it can at least be easier <laughs> for the mom knowing that her son wasn't dying alone and scared. At least there was someone there for him, and it yeah, it's it's heavy how they pulled that off, and then again just that quick turn where you get maybe just two minutes of him in this total broken state, 
looking at the corpse of his friend with this apathetic stare, and then all these British soldiers show up, look at him like it's nothing new, and then like as he gets cold, he gets ordered by the captain to follow him. He wipes his hand and starts moving. You see that off to the side, British soldiers are just pissing on the house next to it. Because, like, what are they going to do? They're going to stop what they're doing just for another corpse on the road? Yeah. Why Why piss on the house, though? <laughs> like, just, you can piss anywhere. They just stop to take a lick. Yeah, they all just kind of chose a little spot on, yeah. on the house. And just, <laughs> why are they go? pissing on that? Well, whatever. I don't know. What's better, pissing on a wall or pissing in the wind? <laughs> You know what? Withdrawn, okay? <laughs> Fair enough. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and it's it's interesting, of course, that like as soon as you said that he was going to die, I was just like, well, I just have to shut up now because obviously he knows and like <laughs> me trying to subvert that's not going to help, <laughs> you know? Um but it's it's interesting that, you know, you picked up on the fact that he isn't the main character material because you want someone like him to be the main character material, but this is a real movie. This isn't a fantasy film. This isn't like your sci-fi story of like the uprising to end the empire. No, this is a war movie. It's based in some rules of reality. And we knew for a fact it was going to be the cynical broken man that lived. Not the hopeful biblically boy. accurate World War One, just the way it was intended. Biblically accurate, just as our Lord and Savior <laughs> Jesus Christ fought it in the trenches of the Psalms. And thus, he gets to the very end and finds only one trail of footprints had made the journey. But that's mostly because his friend died. This was not a parable. Anyways, <laughs> this is just real life. It sucked. Sorry. He's like, what, you like want me to walk with you? I got orders, man. <laughs> and it's Jesus. <laughs> I come from the Spanish <laughs> army. <laughs> oh, man. So, how did you feel about Schofield's time in Acoust after he woke up from... Uh, the gunshot wound. Uh, from the moment he wakes up, isn't that like where he it just instantly has to, comes across like these guys and has to fight them? Yeah, well, like he comes across one that like he has to run from, and like he ducks into that little hiding hole where he finds the French girl. Oh, right, right, yeah. But I want to bring up an interesting thing. So there was a sniper posted to the edge of the city, and when he wakes up, there showed that there was someone that was on patrol that at least got to the part of the town where that building where the sniper was posted. That sniper fired on Schofield probably, what, like four or five times before finally being shot by him? Uh, like clipped what it seemed like clipped in the shoulder mm. or neck. Um, why did no one come and check on the sniper? That whole time he was just knocked out. No, no. I don't know that you have too many people on on detail around a sniper. I mean, generally, I think what the sniper's purpose is is to be the lookout, try to pick well, off. But people. like, wouldn't they have heard yeah, the gunshots? That's true. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I can't say enough to army tactics that's... or any of that to say whether or not this is a procedure or not. That's one of the one thing. That's one of the moments of the film that kind of always bother me it's just like would he have been able to just kind of stay there the whole few hours and no german soldier captured him he just got to like god was just looking out for him you know, you know? i don't know the the whole movie there the whole reason why they're doing the attack is because they think they have them on the ropes a lot of the germ uh not germ, uh the a lot of the uh uh enemies are like retreating and all that and mm -hmm. so it could be just one of those things. Like, you know, you see that, uh, at least we see from the uh, the uh, allied side that uh, they, you know, they're, they're all kind of in tatters. They're demoralized. They feel like shit. Most of them are cynical and done with it. On the other side, it could just be very well. It's like, all right, well, part of our tactic is we're retreating. We're going to have a few people stationed here. Hopefully, we won't come to any kind of issues. And the guy just might have been left mm. there as they were, you know, as they were retreating so they could do this ambush that they had planned. 
Okay, I could see that. Only conceivable thing, and I just came up with the top of my head. You can just take it or leave it, because I have no other explanation. I'll take it, because, I mean, like, <laughs> it's just one thing. I, it's just a question I had. Just a question I had. I'm sorry if that question bothered no, you. No, just, that's, just that's the only reasonable excuse I can think of. But once again, I don't know military tactics. I don't know if this is a thing or not. It was interesting with the scene with the French girl and the baby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd, uh, I I want to say it was... Uh, not plat- or was it platoon? It wasn't platoon. It was uh, Full Metal Jacket. I think had kind of a similar thing going on, except I think that lady tried to kill. <laughs> so that's where I thought this was going. I was like, oh, I mean, I know she was French, and so thus they were like, no, 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 we're same same team. We're like, we're I'm not here to hurt you, kind of thing. But I was like, oh, this is gonna end terribly because she needs to fend for her life. <laughs> but no. I mean, sounds it, right. Sounds it right. ended as well as it could have, I suppose. He, he left some food for the baby, which I must have missed. Like, he, he had milk in that canteen? Yes. Oh, at the farm, it was, it was shown that actually the farm had been just recently abandoned because uh, there was a dairy cow out in the back, and by the dairy cow was a bucket half-filled with milk. Okay, I think I just... So he drank some of it and then poured some of it in his canteen before the plane, before they witnessed the dog fight. Okay, I think I just missed that moment or something. Um, that is one of the like problems with doing like a continuous shot film like this. Almost every scene of this seems to be so important that if you turn around, you're just like, well, I missed... You know- Something. Yeah, sure, I did miss the explanation of that, and it was like, uh, but I don't know that I missed anything important. It's just, oh, wow, he happens to have that, as opposed as opposed to if I'd seen that scene, and be like, oh, wow, well, isn't that convenient? So, yeah. Hey, man, sometimes you're just lucky. You find milk in the wild. I think I would, something went terribly wrong in my decisions if I ran into milk in the wild. <laughs> Turn off the ringer on your phone, man. It picks up on the microphones. Don't worry, I didn't hear it. We're fine. I'm gonna as I as I yell at Nan. I'm gonna turn off my. (laughs) Shut up! It didn't (laughs) go off. I should just like call. I should just call you on your phone. No, your ringtone's for assholes. Oh, I think I just have a generic ringtone for everyone. No, my ringtone for you is the best ringtone I could find. Yeah, I still need to wait for, like, an important live event, and I'm going to call you. But anyways. <laughs> um, I think it is interesting uh, to include that sequence. I just remember the first time I saw it, I was just like, is this... I know not every part... Like, this movie isn't fic- uh, factual. You know, it's like, this is not, like, a real thing that happened. It's based off of a certain point in the war in the year 1917 where like the Germans had retreated to a different front, like nine miles away. Like it was like a shorter, like exchange of land, like Mm. situation or something. Um, but a moment like this, you know, like I know there are always stories from the war, but like how many, uh, refugees from the war were able to just hide where they were. Like they never actually left. They just knew the city so well they could hide like in these underground caverns that you would need to know how to find was, them. I, I don't know. I thought that was rhetorical. I mean, it, oh, okay. it is. I, I didn't know if you would be able to pick up on <laughs> it. It was just a long pause, and I was like, uh, uh, seven. <laughs> seven refugees from the war pulled off this exact same feat. Let me go by them one by one. First, there was Mary Jo Johnson. I can't wait for this Spielberg movie. Yes, I'm sure over there. Steven Spielberg in Hiding in Hope. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, Steven Spielberg presents Hope is the Color of Life. Eh, it sounds like that would be like a made-for-TV movie title. I mean, you're not wrong. Uh yeah, I never said I was gonna be when, good at this. when we well your first one was was bang on the money uh should it should have just hung it up on that one but uh, 
Hey, sometimes you just gotta reach for the stars Man. and then crash and burn just so. I'll say this for their shooting convention for the whole, like, you know, one take thing, as well as just, you know, just this journey of this ca- of the camera following this one guy. I'm exhausted watching this man <laughs> run and yes. do all these things. By the time. Yes. Like, one, when he fights those t- uh, two soldiers and, like. Mm hmm. He's choking out one while his friend is unaware because he can't he can't shout out to him. So he just chokes him to death, like right while his friend is just merely feet away, <laughs> which is already fucked up. And secondly, when he gets up as the other guy is heading towards him, I'm just like in my head, I'm like, man, I w- I would just die. <laughs> I don't think I'd have the energy to fight this man after strangling out that man. And yet... Uh, what does he do? Because he does something to... Oh, I think when he finds out that the other guy is dead, he just kind of leaves him. So luckily, he doesn't really fight him, right? He just kind of leaves him in Rahal's ass, and then the guy starts chasing after him. Yeah, he, like, he kills him or, like, chokes him out. I don't know. Does he kill him at that point, or does he just knock him out? I'm assuming he killed him, because the other guy was, like shouting and crying over over him so i'm assuming oh yeah he does strangle one to death yeah the other guy but then like he like strangles him to death and then the other one like is coming towards him and he's like starts pulling picking up speed just pushes him to the side and just keeps sprinting to uh the edge of the city to the river yeah i don't know if like because the way it was shot i don't know if i was uh, supposed to assume it was too dark for him to tell who it was or that he was an enemy combatant, because like, yeah, he's constantly calling out to him as he's running, and he's asking, "Who are you? Who are you?" kind of thing. Uh, but like, until he gets really, really close, he doesn't seem confrontational. But he doesn't seem to know what's happening, and so I was, and because like the way it's shot, it's like we're looking at them in silhouette. Um, mm-hmm. And so I wasn't sure if it I was, it was implied that I was like, "Oh, it was too dark for him to see as well," even though the light source is on the other side yeah it's like it was a situation where it was dark still but like the city was flare lit yeah so like even though there was light, it was really harsh light so it doesn't really like it's not like it did you Um, much good and yeah then i think uh is that the same guy who chases him and shoots at him for a bit before he falls over i don't know if so like yeah he was chased for a little bit and then he met the woman and he left and then he killed that German soldier, and then the person that was on patrol with him chased after him. I just don't know if that is the same German that chased at uh, after him before. Oh, okay. Oh, I don't. I don't think it is the same one that was chasing him. I before. don't think so. Uh, also, that sniper couldn't shoot him for shit. No, but he has a great eye. It's crazy oh. how like Schofield is the one that got the shot off. Yeah, no kidding. That guy had every advantage. You must be so embarrassed. Yeah, look at that. You had you had the high ground. You had the perfect positioning, and this loser of a Lance Corporal. You had to jump on him and everything. He didn't know you were there that you could spot him, and now you're dead. This man's hanging off a broken bridge, and you can't even shoot through the giant holes through the bridge? Come on. Come on. No wonder they left his ass there. It's like, ah, oh, Carl isn't back yet. I probably died. Fuck him anyway. I'm expecting like a, like he goes up to him finally in like a space ball situation where he's cross-eyed as hell just going, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> it shouldn't be laughing. It's, it's really funny to fucking think about. Well, I say space balls because it was cartoonishly done. Like to, to well, I should say a cartoon. No, I, I could have seen that in a Mel Brooks movie. I could have seen that in either Spaceballs or Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah. Well, it was. Like, so, but what I'm saying it is good. it's done for cartoonish effect, like overly so. That's why it's fine. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I was watching that scene with the sniper shooting at him and like the, it starts off and you're like really tense and you're like, oh man, there's a sniper. Like, oh crap, is he going to be okay? Or like, you know, really, we call him sniper, but it was still like just a rifleman because I don't think he had a scope. Um. Yeah. But then, like, after the fifth miss, you're kind of just like, ah, he's fine. He's got plot armor. Yeah, yeah. I was going to make a plot armor joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, this was one of those ones where I was like, okay, you maybe you you let this one go a little too long because then at that point you're just like, yeah, you're just letting all that plot armor show. It's almost like you could start seeing the shimmering, like, mage armor-like scale well, armor yeah, appearing I, around him. 
because once he's like running up to the building, I'm like, he that's a clear as day shot, right? Not that I've ever shot anyone before, but I'm like, he, <laughs> he should have had that by then, right? They, is, by then, had Schofield shot him? Because I could use that as an excuse, or I'll take that as an excuse, but like, eh. <laughs> Yes, yeah, Schofield had already shot him by that point. Okay, so, yeah, I guess it's one of those situations. Harder to lift your gun, can't hold it straight without shaking kind of stuff. Dad, you know he's dying. It's fine, it's fine. He was just on the wrong side of the war. Um, I have a small gripe, and this is a gripe I've had recently. Okay. Um, It comes and goes. (laughs) But uh, the main guy that that our Schofield's trying to take take the message to. That's that's a whole ass Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, that's yeah, just that, that was Benedict Cumberbatch. And so yeah, it's one of those like I, I didn't recognize any faces. Uh, apparently saw Rob Stark before, but that's fine. I didn't recognize him. I just called him like not quite Bucky Barnes. It's fine. Um. And then he gets to deliver his message, and you get this grand reveal of this turnaround, this dramatic turnaround as movies like to do. And it's just a whole-ass Benedict Cumberbatch, and I just, I don't see whoever he was supposed to deliver it to. I see Benedict Cumberbatch. You don't see the character Benedict Cumberbatch is playing, you just see Benedict Cumberbatch? I just see a whole-ass Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) Yeah, this was one of those films where it's just like, as you're watching, it's just like, man, a lot of... Like, Mark Strong shows up in this movie for, like, five minutes. Mm. Andrew Scott, who played, uh, some of you might know him as, like, Moriarty from the new Sherlock series with Benedict Cumberbatch. He played the the uh, acting captain at the beginning of the movie we were talking about. And again, like, in the movie for five minutes, Richard Madden, Rob Stark, he plays the brother of the Lance Corporal that dies in this movie, the other character... Uh, Blake, and he's only in it for about three minutes at the end of the movie. You've got Colin Firth, who is an acting general in the movie, oh, yeah. who gives him the mission. He's only in it <laughs> for like five minutes of the movie, and then as Kaz has pointed out, a whole ass Benedict Cumberbatch for another five <laughs> fucking minutes in this movie. Uh, okay, that is another face I did recognize, actually, because we saw Colin Firth. That was so funny. After his scene was over and we weren't looking at him anymore, I said, what? Look, I look like an old Colin Firth. <laughs> and you said, that's because it is Colin Firth. I said, wow, they look just like him, but old. <laughs> So I did recognize another face, I guess. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) So proud of you. (laughs) Hey, he's looking fine for 62 years old. No, no, he looked great. He looked like Colin Firth, but, you know, with some, like, silver fox thing going on. I don't know. It's fine. Um, But (laughs) the point is, like, I didn't quite recognize him, and that was fine. I didn't quite recognize Rob Stark, and it's fine. I fucking just, hey, look, it's like a neon sign pointing. Uh, we got Benedict Cumberbatch for a movie. Hey, look, he's expensive. He's an Avenger. So look at him. <laughs> and I'm like, please, I'm please look at him, please. <laughs> <laughs> and those other guys you mentioned, Mark Strong. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he's well, honestly one of those guys who could just disappear to the background. As well, he did, because I was like, oh, yeah, he's just another guy. Um, well, and yeah, that's what they the all guy. are. They all just disappear in the background. I, I, I don't know the guy who, who plays Moriarty, so I don't think I would have recognized him. Uh, it's just like, watch, hey, you remember that guy that you've seen once in like, something? Yep, there you go. Yeah, I only saw like two episodes of Sherlock, so I was like, yeah, whatever. But you know who I did notice in Sherlock? B- Whole-ass Benedict Cumberbatch! <laughs> <laughs> man, I anyway. can't wait for the next Benedict Cumberbatch film we watch. Oh, man... If if we watch like Doctor Strange, I'm gonna be like he's uh, fucking everywhere in this one. <laughs> he's whole ass all the time. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I, I had a, a this, somewhat of a similar rant to you when I saw like two movies back to back that were like all star cast. I'm like, I'm tired of seeing these fucking people's faces. 
you're just yeah you you were just like give me an indie film with a bunch of fucking nobodies i don't need to recognize anyone anymore i was like this movie dune is probably some bullshit no one will ever watch surely it's like low budget and they can't afford oh hey look Fuck it's an you. oscar isaac <laughs> Are you kidding me? Dune is one of the most influential science fiction novels. Never in heard the of her. Entire genre. Listen, the only sandworms I recognize are Beetlejuice. I mean, fair, okay, jeez. <laughs> like, you can give fucking homage to Beetlejuice, but we're talking about Dune here. Well, we're talking about 1917. Damn it! Uh, anyways. <laughs> oh, man. So, honestly, when you. <laughs> I love how. By the time he gets into the river and the shots stop, you think to yourself, like, at least he's, at least he's got some time. At least there's some peace. At least, like, it can't be, it can't get any worse than this. Nope, this man climbs over bloated corpses. Uh, Delicious. Yeah. That scene legitimately makes me gag. That water nasty. That water nasty. The bloated corpses are nasty. It, just imagining, to, right. just imagining the smell, just already, I'm like, Bleh. All right, now you're veering into corpse shaming. That's rude. Uh, <laughs> Look, okay, not everyone can just have a battlefield control. mortician ready. ready. <laughs> I'm going to smell like fucking flowers when I die. You just watch. <laughs> flowers in a bombing liquid. You mentioned uh, 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 Blake uh, kind of... Die, dying quietly or something like, or yeah we, we were talking about uh i think it was him saying just like yeah dying quietly something like that but not alone um and yeah i was gonna make the comment that i usually make sometimes that i say like yeah no i'm gonna fucking die kicking and screaming uh and i don't know how true it is i never looked it up but apparently like uh eartha kit died screaming like her daughter was with her in her final moments and she said yep just the yeah, as she lived or she died as loudly as she lived, she died screaming. And I don't know if that's haunting, or, or if that's well, shit. Yeah, no, she she went out with every bit of life she had. <laughs> I don't know how true that is. I, I never looked it up. I just it's a weird factoid I heard. Honestly, I can see you kicking and screaming as you're just dying, and it's like a situation where like. You, unfortunately, just live to a ripe old age, even though you hate every moment of it. You've got all these people who care about you surrounding you, and you're just immediately just like, fuck all of you. Just yelling at everyone as you're dying. Just like, and then it happens. Everyone just looks at you so lovingly, because you know that was just your way of saying that you loved them. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll need like a awkward like hack writer movie moment where someone just like looks at the camera and be like, did that just happen? Whoa. <laughs> and you yeah, show up I'm to heaven and you just immediately just go, and, shit. And yeah, fucking just the moment I arrive, go, oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> now it turns out Buddhism's right, so you're just like, I gotta do shit again. Oh, no, that's when you do funny little dance and go like, hey, look, I'm a baby. I'm a little baby. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Don't get mad at me Whoa, and then I shit my okay. pants and I feel embarrassed. <laughs> Sorry, I need, I need, I need, I need help from point A to point B again. It's just a little baby again. You're just dancing as a little baby. Yeah, yeah, just doing, just being a little baby. You said reincarnation or whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, like, doesn't mean you'd be, you know, human again. But if you're a human baby and you remember everything, you just want to do your little baby dance while shit your pants. Like, happy to you. I don't care. Yeah, there you go. What's the point of reliving if you can't just shit your pants? <laughs> I probably went out die kicking and screaming shitting my pants. Why wouldn't I come back the same way? <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, truly. Truly, the horrors of war bring out the worst of us. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm just like this on a day-to-day -day basis, but uh, we keep dancing around that final scene, which is a really good scene. All I knew about this movie before watching it was uh, that the main guy, the main actor, eats fucking shit running across that field. Cause, it's yeah, referred I, I didn't to know as the Schofield run. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I uh, mean, duh. I didn't, I didn't have, like, the uh, 
background for it or anything like that. So I was like, yeah, he's just running across the field. I'm assuming a war happening. But yeah, a war happening. He's trying to stop the uh, stop the uh, campaign from going for, uh, forward with this uh, suicide mission that they're not aware of. Um, but they're ready to go, and they're all set up, and they're like, yeah, some asshole who just showed up last minute isn't going to deter, like, weeks of planning. And so, yeah, he's running across the field, and they're like, oh, shit, shit, shit. And then they just blow their whistle. They start going out there, and, like, everyone's running around him. So much so that it's like, I feel like they were instructed to run behind him. Because, like, you see some people who would have probably cut in front of him, but instead you see them all, like, I spotted a couple people, like, veering, going sideways just to go from go behind him. So mm-hmm. those guys got the memo, which was, please don't run into our actor. He's not an actual hardened war a person soldier there you go that's what they're called uh and and a couple of them didn't get the memo and so he fucking eats shit running into these guys twice yeah uh but and- they keep on going the first guy fell and i was like is he gonna like look around like cut cut but he did look backwards towards the trench but yeah after a while like you know a bunch of people co- you know run in front of him so i didn't see what does he do after that yeah it's a situation it- where the original scene like the original choreography like he's not supposed to he's supposed to like the run happens he doesn't fall he makes it that's it but it it was the second take they had already done the first take and they were just like okay let's run it again see if we can maybe get it better and that's when he fell and they just knew even though they did other takes to like get that perfect run you know they knew after watching it like it made more sense to do the second one because like duh yeah it was good it's a good moment. It just it's adds a, to it, especially with the music that's playing in the background. Yeah, power to Thomas Newman for putting together a pretty great score for this movie. And and here's also why I just I don't have I don't have what it takes to, to do any of these kinds of things because I already told you like twice over, which probably more than twice over, but at least twice over I mentioned, hey, I'd have died by then. I'd have just laid down and just, all right, you know what, let, let the war take me kind of thing. Uh, but the when he's in the trenches going from, like, post to post to post trying to find who he's looking for, and they're just pointing him even further and further, and to the point where he's like, oh, yeah, he's 300 meters that way or whatever, and I'm just in my head, I'm like, Nah, this is as far as it goes, I think. <laughs> I'm done. Let him you die. Guys, you guys can go charge. I'm going to sit. <laughs> Just, it's over. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't have what it takes to be a hero, I think. I, okay. <laughs> I gotta ask, what was your reaction to the random music scene that happens right before the run? Oh, you might have gotten up for this. He might have gotten a drink or something, but like, yeah, when he gets out of the river, he is, the only reason he gets up is because he hears a voice, and he starts walking towards it, and it's oh, a man in the army singing yeah. a song. It's He's singing a yeah. song called, I Am a Poor Wayfaring Stranger. Um, I really like this scene, because oh, I yeah. know, like, it. it's kind of a weird placement, but also, like, I have heard these stories where, like, you know, getting ready for battle and everything, like, they would do these, whatever they could to, like, deal with the anxiety and the emotions. And so if there was a guy that had a great voice, like, of course he would just, like, sing a song. They would ask him to sing a song, you know? And the song he's singing in this moment is just, like, this is where Schofield's at, where it's, like, he either accomplishes it or he's going to die and just pass on to the next round. Yeah. Um, I liked that scene. It was really good. And this might sound like a weird reason to like it. I like it because it didn't feel real. It didn't feel grounded in reality. It was almost dreamlike. Because, yeah, it's just kind of like a thing that's just happening while he's tired and sitting down already. And then he comes across this. And he's already met so many jaded people who don't have time for any any peace or any enjoying anything. And yet this guy's singing surrounded by a bunch of uh, soldiers who are just sitting down. No one's telling him to be quiet. No one's joining in. No one's doing anything. They're all just sitting. It's almost as if they are all already dead. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of joining them off to the back a little bit 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I was like, wow, this is re-. like I normally uh, I'm chatterbox, um, chatterbox and all over the place and making some d- d- dipshit comment uh, during a serious moment. But I was like, I have nothing to say here. This is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, just seeing him in that moment where, like, he's, like, laying against the tree, he's just looking out at, like, just not even at anything. He's just looking, you know? Like, his eyes are staring in a direction, and you can guess he's seeing something, but he's just, at this point, just so tired that I wouldn't be surprised, like, in a character's head, like, in that moment, like, they're just questioning, like, why? Like, why get up? Mm. Why stand up and keep going? But it's only because, like, he has to stop this attack because he's got to get to Lieutenant Joseph Blake now. Because he has another, yeah. he has a deeper mission to this. And then, yeah, the Schofield run is just great. There's nothing there. I There's no there's no notes on the Schofield run. It's just, it's perfect. It's great. It's amazing. It's It's such a powerful scene seeing him just, like, desperately try to just make it to the end. Because, like, he's technically still late. Like, the attack happened, and people still died. It just wasn't a massive massacre like it would have been. Yeah. Like, we saw, like, it was really interesting that after we got the whole ass Benedict Cumberbatch, we had to go to, like, the triage tent. And you just see, like, all the soldiers who, in that brief, just, like, not even, like, ten minutes of the attack, like, just already soldiers getting amputations and bleeding out like mm-hmm. people performing last rites people are dying and it's just ooh. and then we see joseph blake is a, alive and is a very handsome man and has a charming smile and looks so happy when his brother's name is mentioned and then it turned out blake wasn't dead and he arrived from the shadows and they hugged because they were happy and everyone was fine and it said that and the and war the was war over was over <laughs> And we got to go home. <laughs> and they picked cherry trees until they were happy. Okay? That was the and end of the met movie. Up with the French woman. And <laughs> yes. And she found an adoption for the baby. It was beautiful. And they came home heroes to fireworks and confetti. They went. Well, maybe not the fireworks, but confetti. And in this alternate timeline, World War II never happened, and everyone was happy for the rest of their lives. Fuck you. <laughs> and we vacationed in Aldovia. Now he just sits by a tree at the end <laughs> again. But at least, like, the difference between it now is, like, the there's a, he puts more value in his life. Because at the beginning, he said things like, you even, it's like, uh, you even start to ask, why bother going home, you know? That like he yeah. had he had gotten leave before he went home he had seen his wife he had seen his child and that disconnect was there he could never explain the horror that he went through because one he never wants to explain it to his wife and child because he doesn't want them to even experience a tithe of what he's gone through and two they just don't get it. And it, there's that disconnect for him now, where it's just like that part of him where he just feels like he can't be who he used to be anymore. But at least at the end of the movie, when he's leaning against the tree, it's not that he's trying to catch a nap or just waiting to die. He pulls out a picture of his wife and child, flips it to the back, where a note just says, come back to us. And he smiles, because he's going to come back to them. Yeah! I don't know that he's fully coming back. Oh, no, there's no... <laughs> there's no 100% healing. Yes, I've totally killed a bunch of men, came back totally fine afterwards, you know? Especially, like, just... Because remember, like, he had to kill the pilot, and then he strangled the German soldier, and that was just in this mission. Like, he survived the Battle of the Somme, with the Somme River, so mm-hmm. you can't even imagine what the things he had to do just in that campaign. So, he might not be who he was, but he's still going to do well, his best to... to get back to them to live a life that he can be happy about. He also had to hold a friend in his arms as he died. A friend that deep down he wished it was reversed because he wished that the naive 
happy, hopeful one stayed alive and not him who was so close to just giving up. Yeah. So, Kaz. Yeah. Did you like it? Like's kind of a funny word. <laughs> the, like, I, I know, right? This is like the name doesn't Drawn work for us on this one. Let's change um, it. So, did you did you enjoy it? it was kind of a funny. Um, yeah, you know, I I did like it. It's a good movie. It's it's uh well shot, well done. Uh, every everyone's in it's cool, uh, and you know, do, do, do pull in their weight. Yeah, even Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, even whole ass Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, I do like how how flippant he was because he was just so annoyed. He's like, "Now we're go- doing this," and then like he sees like the plans and all that stuff and the orders, and he's like, "Oh fuck, we are gonna have to stop this," you know, whatever. But he's still pissed about it because it's like, yeah, this is like something that you've been like trying to prepare yourself mentally for, and then it's just no. It can't happen, or else you were doing maybe one of the stupidest tactical decisions uh, possibly. And he's just so like, yeah, all right, fine, all right, yeah, call him back in. Now get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, it's great. Everyone, everyone was great in it. It's tragic. It's sad. I, I lose my a little piece of myself. It's it's everything you want from a war movie, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not terribly into war movies, but yeah, it's fine. You know, I'd probably watch this again if someone wanted to, but uh, you know, it's, I just need the wants really. Uh, <laughs> but it's good. It's good. Um, square it. Yes. So did you like slash enjoy it? Yeah, this is. I think if you've never seen this movie, it's an important film to see when it comes to war films. Because like I said at the beginning, like this isn't a this isn't a story that would be remembered. Like if this was a story that actually happened, this isn't a story that would really be remembered in like history as a big moment that changed the course of the war. But when you see it and you see what happens to these people like in these moments, because this is all based off of stories that Sam Mendes heard from his grandfather who had fought in the war. Like these people weren't going to be applauded with medals of honor when they legitimately gave everything they could just to succeed. But who's going to remember another mission out of the hundreds of missions that happen all the time that are just like this? I think that's a very powerful statement to make in a film like this. Um, So if you haven't seen it, give it a shot. Try it out. Uh, just, you know, be warned that it is a war film. You're going to see some depictions of humans that it's it's hard to see, but these are the things that happen, you know? Yeah, probably mentally prepare yourself for some emotional exhaustion. Yeah, you're going to be very tired by the end of this movie. But I don't think you'll be upset with what you watched. <sighs> it's like the time where we got to, like, talk about, like, what we got going on in our lives and, like, we plug all of our stuff, but, like... Even just after this conversation, I'm pretty emotionally exhausted. <laughs> so what do you got going on in your life? All right. Well, let me tell you what we got going on. <laughs> Join us this Saturday for another block of uh, Four Kids, One Piece. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Mondays, uh, Bubs and I finished uh, Brad and Fred, so we're going to do Elden Ring co-op. See how that works. If it doesn't. Uh, I'll say it was Bubs' fault. I don't know. But it should be fun. I'll make some kind of weird, dumb gimmick build and just follow him around and be an asshole. Uh, so that should be fun. Uh, Nan has been doing a boatload of, uh, of, uh, Armored Core. He is the armoredest of cores. Uh, and I think he's fighting the corporations, or he is the corporations. Either way, something, something, corporations. I'm also having a lot of fun with Octopath on Tuesdays, um, so that's fun. We got some other stuff. I think we're close to finishing uh, Ace Attorney Chronicles, at least part one, or the first game. Um, and yeah, you can watch these or listen to these podcasts live on Fridays at 10 o'clock Texas time. 
Uh, beyond that, yeah, other stuff. Oh, I think we're gonna start Ragnarok, and as in start the event of Ragnarok in God of War Ragnarok. Not this Sunday, since I think something's happening, but next Sunday? No, wait, next Sunday might be fucked too. You know what? Ragnarok will happen when it happens. Listen, we got all year. Yeah. What about you? <laughs> um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm living my life. You know, I've got this podcast, and I love this podcast, and I, I hope the people that listen to this like this podcast and share this podcast. But that's really it. You can follow me on Twitter, at SirSquarin, S-Q-U-A-R-I-N. Uh, for now, that's really all I've got going on in my life. So, thanks again. Thanks. Wow, I feel like I've got really nothing going on in my life now after that. <laughs> Yeah, you just got real things going on. <laughs> this podcast comes if out I had to... edited thanks to our yeah. good friend Tucker. Uh, it We try to come out every week when we can. Sometimes life gets in the way, so we just ask for patience. Um, but you can follow Tucker on Twitter at TuckerWins or on Twitch when you can stream uh, twitch.tv forward slash Tucker underscore wins. We can look up his music on Spotify under the name Tucker Wins Stanley. Man, that was that's always a lot for Tucker. It's because we appreciate him. Tucker, give yourself some outro music and a pat on the back and some clapping. Yeah, and also answer just this, Tucker. Whoa. <laughs> what is it? Good? Absolutely nothing. Come here. Ah!